Got 15 minutes to spare? Then you've got time for Extra Easy, our new short, sharp sister show to the Speakeasy with Annie and Carla. Well, hello, Annie. Hi, Carla. We're extra easying today. We are. How are you? I'm all right. I'm um, good. In recovery from a foot injury, but mouth's good to go, <laughs> as always. <laughs> so we're here doing our quick, uh, snappy version. Um, things that have been capturing our attention. What about you? What have you? What's caught your attention in the well, last two weeks? Um, you know, I, I couldn't really go past the green statement about legalising cannabis. Yeah, it was a very Woo-hoo. bold, bright, yeah. out there, evidence based, yeah. um, no sensationalism, all very sober. Yeah. Um, rehearsal of some of the key issues yeah. so I was really Im- impressed with the, the hopefully a start of a conversation yeah well no it was nice and um because it made me recall it was a few years ago now can't remember exactly how many but I remember the Greens kind of got a bit of stick because they pulled back from their mm. drugs policy that was seen as by some in the community is quite radical, I think. And at the time, they were feeling a bit sensitive around that, I think, and they revised their policy and some thought it was selling out, that yep. they'd done that. Right, and right. I think it was at a time where they'd started getting, you know, a few more mm. people in departments. So, they, you know, they copped a bit of stick around that. And uh, this was, I, I agree with you, I think it was nice to see a really confident stance mm. on this and using the evidence and making plain um, kind of, claims to yeah. why they think this might be a good way to go yeah um yeah yeah and there's been you good. know as you would imagine there's been lots of commentary in it but I, I was reading again today a really nice piece in the conversation by nicole lee and jared bartle who they've, they've kind of outlined you know what do we know about it what are the arguments for and um some of the for legalization and yeah. some of the issues and they really yeah. dispel some of the myths about yeah, right. cannabis as a gateway drug the impact and then they do outline you know some of the harms that have Mm, been associated with um, cannabis use but also very clear to say these are associations some of them are not causative yeah so you know and that can be hard for the lay person to really get their head around what does that mean hey yeah yeah and some of the issues that might be required um you know learning from the the, some of the safeguards from alcohol and tobacco industries and uh i think I, i heard it a presentation a couple of years ago um, by Bo Kilmer from the RAND oh, organisation. Oh, yeah, right. He's a good speaker. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he was sort of um, deconstructing the industries around cannabis in the, the states in the mm. US that have um, decriminalised. and Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the kinds of yep. tax, uh, like, which, you know, must bore the eyelashes <laughs> off me, but, you know... <laughs> But the the way the taxation has been constructed around yeah. these new yeah. industries, and imagine the power of being able to build the right thing from scratch. I agree. You without know. having yeah. to yeah. sort of retrofit good stuff yeah. to yeah. something once the horse is bolted. I agree. And I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the Green Statement, they were making some very specific statements, I think, about keeping things small, not mm. growing like big cannabis mm. uh, business or whatever. If, they, if you were going to do this from scratch and have a regulatory authority, that oversaw everything they would oversee everything and yeah. keep it to small yeah. growers and yeah yeah which I thought was an interesting concept too yeah so yeah. I think you know it's you know yeah. without wanting to bring Trump into it you know maybe there's a a trade partnership yeah. uh, thing to negotiate yeah. on this. Well, potentially, hey, new stranger well. things have probably mm. happened. It is, you know, legitimately an industry in some states over there. Um, yeah, and there's a bit of movement in other countries, isn't there? It'll be interesting to see, 
you know what happens I think New Zealand's called for a referendum or something on mm. this issue as well mm. I mean that's always a bit tricky I don't know how they go that sort of thing mm. it maybe doesn't necessarily translate into policy action or whatever but you know as you say great that this conversation's mm. happening because you know it's well overdue and yeah. you know and it gives the start of yeah. other conversations and, and allows space for informed commentary yeah. in in mainstream media and mm. in more select media so yeah. you know that is always a good thing where mm. we can have this information to inform public and political debate yeah i agree and it kind of it actually segues very nicely into what i was going to yeah, talk about today your... actually because you know that whole issue of how you talk about drugs in the public in the media mm. all of that and we're so used to this particular way most of the time you know you see the occasional piece but most of the time it's um it's about uh you know really quite stereotypical mm. you know very negative comments and all designed to kind of keep that perpetuated so one of the things that caught my eye this fortnight was um, a report actually that was commissioned by the Queensland Mental Health Commission part of the Queensland government and um, it was uh, the report was produced by the Drug Policy Modelling Project and the Faculty of Law at Monash um, and it's it's actually about stigma and discrimination um, towards people uh, with alcohol and other drug use issues largely on the sort of, you know, uh, longer-term problematic scale, those sorts of um, issues. And um, all about the report is actually titled Changing Attitudes, Changing Lives. Mm -hmm. So looking at options or, you know, really getting down to specific actions around that. Uh, So that was, you know, it's a nice report. It's a long report, um, as you can imagine, a report like this is... I was just looking at 118 pages or something. I know, and done by colleagues, of course, that uh, we know well, Professor Alison Ritter and Dr Curry Lancaster and Dr Kate Sears, but um, it's just um, great great report despite being long this you know 34 key mm. recommendations that are really well I think well crafted and really comprehensive you know so that they've you know it's such a massive issue you know how many ways you could cut it and how yeah. you come at it um, great that the Queensland government have commissioned this actually I, I believe it came out of a, a, a strategy like a drug strategy type process for mm-hmm. them that it was a commitment to look mm-hmm. at this issue and it just actually um, it reminded me kind of the work that the, the, the centre's been doing around stigma indicators at the yeah. national level hey, yeah. because you know it's it's it struck me after and I know I wonder if the same for you as well after so many years of working in this stuff and sort of stigma and discrimination not really being at the heart of the agenda you know certain people raise it a lot but sort of in the last few years there Mm. seems to be more interest at a more sort of Mm. you know policy level if you like is that your sense of it as well you know yeah yeah Yeah, I think so too I mean that we can put up the link to the indicators project but you know that that whole idea was to um like there is for the national strategies indicators around how many people have taken up treatment for bloodborne yep. virus or how many people have been tested stigma discrimination have always been written into these national strategies yeah. but um have suffered from yeah. not having this kind of indicator now mm. how's it measured how yeah. do you know something's actually shifted or not yeah. shifted or whatever mm-hmm. and you know the the idea of creating an indicator um is is really complicated because stigma is just such mm. a massively complicated and multifaceted yeah. uh phenomena so yeah. you know it has its limitations of being an indicator but um, so we've, we've measured it now in the key priority populations, including people with hep C mm. and people who inject drugs, mm. but also amongst the general population yeah, right. and amongst health workers or a sample of. And um, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Yeah. Once you, you know, if you can suspend the 
complications of mm. reducing something to one number. Sure. It's, it's incredibly fascinating. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not... Whether or not... That, that is an indicator, but it doesn't give us the... Um, wherewithal to know how to yeah. reduce this and I think this is what this Queensland this, yeah. report or DPMP yeah. report gives yeah. us the, the uh, terrific ideas into I, I really like the section about looking at stigma inter- reduction interventions of yeah, which there's absolutely. not many yeah exactly and really putting some thought into that I, I think you know they didn't only look at the literature but interestingly looked at the law um, yeah. in Queensland and in mm. what ways can it be stigmatizing and encourage yeah. stigma um, inducing practices and then also um, obviously looking at at uh, people's own experiences as well so there's some very um, you know sometimes not not nice to read necessarily but very informative uh, little sort of um, um, anecdotes or um, uh, uh, you know personal stories, I guess, that narratives from people who've been interviewed about their experiences of stigma, and then sort of pulling out key points from that, which I think is really great to get people thinking in very practical terms yeah. about. You know, we talk about stigma and discrimination. It almost becomes like just a sort of couple of words mm, that become a yeah. bit meaningless. Yeah. And so I think a report like this, if people want to, it is, you know, as we said, a comprehensive report, but you can dip into it in key places. And if you do want to look at these uh, little narrative pieces from people, um, they, they're really good to really kind of nail down what some of the impacts are at a personal yeah. level for people at a daily kind of level and how yeah. that can kind of impact on people's lives ongoing and yeah. in quite significant ways, I yeah. guess, put yeah. some meaning behind the word stigma yeah. and discrimination. So I like that about it as well. I mean, not surprisingly, they look at sort of five settings as a way to kind of carve it up, if you mm. like, healthcare and the public health sector being the, the one, the, one yeah. the main one, which comes up all the time, but also welfare and support services, uh, police and criminal law, that sort of thing. And interestingly, this time I thought to employment, which I mm. think is a really important yeah. issue on this one around alcohol and other drug-related stigma and discrimination because there's just so much that goes on in that space every day around sort of, you know, in pre-testing, employment, urine testing and things like the criminal record checks, you know, for people, you know, so people have, you know, a minor drug, you know, offence many years ago it affects then travels with them for their whole life in every job they go for all yeah. those sorts of things so they they get down to some of those things that could be changed and then and then they also look at really big stuff like maybe a human rights yeah. charter for queensland that, which I mean, is fantastic to yeah. have another jurisdiction in uh, Queensland, in Australia, sorry, uh, that, uh, that stop, has that. Stop throwing your medicinal apparatus <laughs> around the room, Annie. I'm falling over. Yeah, I mean, that, that what, that's what caught my eye too. A human rights charter is the first recommendation, is yeah. sort of the framework on which yeah. to hang nice, all of these it? things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice kind of punchy, big statement right at the yeah. beginning saying, actually, we can challenge people's individual attitudes and values mm. and stuff, and we need to do that. But if we don't change this, these mm. issues at a sort of more systemic level, mm. uh, structural level, then yeah. we're probably not going to get there in the in the fullest way. Yeah? And that, that's a nice mm. crossover with the cannabis uh, legalisation mm. debate because a number of uh, commentators have noted that the, the harms of prohibition, including mm. um, uh, criminal record or so on, is far more harmful than the use of cannabis itself for, yeah. you know... Yeah. For a number of people. So, yeah, I, yeah there's a really nice crossover in is, these, hey? these two things yeah. we're discussing yeah, today. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, it's interesting. I mentioned that I've uh, recently had a health issue with my foot and I, it... it um, 
meant that I needed to go to an emergency department mm. uh, to uh, have that looked at, and which shall remain nameless. But I will say <laughs> that, um, interestingly, well, you know, not so interestingly, really, within half an hour of being in the ED, I witnessed two very clear, um, quite overt cases of stigma and discrimination against people with alcohol and other drug issues, wow. one around disclosure and confidentiality and one around just language, stigmatising uh, language. And um, it just really, you know, yeah. just in that small moment and it just, you know, uh, it just sort of really says yep. it all really that it, it's why that sector keeps coming up all the time for people as one of the most pervasive mm. places for this. Mm. And it's it just needs to change because uh, the Queensland report says very clearly from people's experiences that uh, it actually not only stops people accessing services in the first instance, but it stops them even thinking about going back for care, yep. you know, long term. Yeah. So... And that, that finding change. has been in mm-hmm. the literature for decades, Absolutely. you know. Don't you think yeah. we would have paid a bit more attention to this, yeah. you know, if we're yeah. really keen about using our resources in a rationalist mm. way? Mm. This is one of the key things for yeah. particular segments of the population. Yeah. yeah. I so. mean, what it also made me think of is the work we've done in evaluating the uh, stigma and discrimination training for health workers that was drawn from the AVAL and yeah, newer work. Of course, yeah. And unfortunately, that's not a mandatory course. It's yeah. uh, it's offered to all Optional. New South Wales mm-hmm. public service workers in the New South Wales Public Health Service, but yeah. it is optional rather yeah. than mandatory. Yeah. And that's but a, a nice step forward. That yeah. that was. I think that's another case of what I was saying earlier about just in the last few years. It really strikes mm. me that this whole issue is being taken a little bit more seriously, and yeah. uh, that's great because it's a big issue and it's going to take. It's create being created over many decades. It's going to take a, you know probably the same to. Mm. Um, undo the damage but um, and you know that one of the other things the Queensland report comes up with importantly too is the whole issue of internalized stigma so you know we're talking um, a lot and and you know for obvious reasons about stigma and discrimination that's kind of uh, done to or towards mm. people but that whole issue of how that then gets internalized those messages and mm. how that then ends up affecting people's self-esteem and yeah. you know what they achieve in life uh, I think you know it's what they even believe is, is, is available to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Constraints, choices yeah. and hopes and dreams. And, exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, and also for their families um, mm. and friends as well, but, you know, particularly families, it has that kind of, I think we often talk about stigma being really sticky, you know, that it sticks to everyone and everything or that it gets into contact with. And so that comes out of this report very clearly. So excellent mm. work. And I think, um, mm. you know, we'll put a link to the report, of course, yep. but it'd be great to um, for people to have a bit of a look at that as well and, and see in what ways it might uh, relate to their own work, mm. um, or what they're doing. And there might be some, uh, you know, people often, I sometimes run stigma and discrimination training on these issues and with workers. And one of the things they often ask is, you know, what practical advice, you know, what can I do or what should we be doing? You know, how do we solve these solutions? And so I think this report's got some really nice ideas in it for things that um, yep. workforces can get down to around clinical guidelines, mm-hmm. around, you know, pain management issues, all that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. also training and um, there's lots of good ideas in there for things that people can get stuck into if they mm-hmm. want to end stigma. Yes, that's what we want. <laughs> that's our mission for today. Done. Well, I think right. we should wrap up. Yeah. Get you back to the couch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and see you next time. Yeah, we will. Bye. Bye. 
For more information about this podcast, our guests, and upcoming episodes, head to httpcsrh.arts.unsw.edu.au.